Matthew and Luke both describe in detail the pregnancy of Mary and the birth of Jesus. The two accounts seem to differ in some details, but it's possible to make them jibe with each other. Most significantly, Matthew alone tells the dramatic story of how Joseph, Mary, and Jesus went all the way to Egypt to escape Herod the Great's determination to hunt down the baby Jesus. One would think that Luke would find this an important story to tell in his gospel, but he didn't. Also in Matthew, it appears that the first visitors to come and praise Jesus were the wise men, while in Luke it appears that shepherds who were nearby were the first to go and see the baby Messiah. Again, there's no true conflict, and these two versions mesh okay. But there's one very intriguing difference between the two Christmas accounts that although they don't conflict, give the two very different feels. In Matthew, we're told that the people of Jerusalem were troubled when they heard about the birth of Jesus. Matthew refers to a prophecy about the birth of Jesus from the Old Testament book of Micah. I have abbreviated this a bit. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And he inquired where the Christ was to be born. They told Herod, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, For from Bethlehem shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. But in the Gospel of Luke, we're told that people are filled with wonder and that they praise God when they hear the news. Again, I have abbreviated this. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. But there's a simple explanation for this. And again, there's no conflict between the two versions of the story of the birth of Jesus. I'll get back to this. I met a man recently, a man about my age, who told me that when he was in high school, he deeply resented his parents dragging him to church every Sunday. He said that to him, church was a waste of time. There were so many other things he could be doing with his Sunday mornings. He could be watching TV, getting his homework done, 
hanging out with friends, riding his dirt bike, or most importantly, he could be sleeping in. We'll call him Jack. Jack said that on the day before he started Christmas vacation, during his senior year of high school, he gleefully told his friends at school that this would be his last Christmas Eve spent at church, that once he was a college student, he would be in control of his own destiny. He would come home for the Christmas break, but he would either go back to school before Christmas Eve or not come home until after Christmas, or simply refuse to go to church so that he wouldn't have to sing some old silly song in the dark while holding a stupid candle. But, he told me, something happened his first semester at college, and it caused him to not only attend Christmas Eve service with his parents, but to also bring his roommate with him. I'll get back to this. Here's why our two stories about the birth of Jesus do not conflict. One makes it sound like people were frightened at the news, while the other makes it sound like people were joyful. Luke's account, the happy one, makes sense, of course. The Messiah is born and everyone is excited. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. But if we look at this historically, the joy that people felt would certainly have been tempered by the fact that they knew that Herod, who was a Jew and therefore knew Hebrew scripture, would recognize the prophecy of a mighty king from the book of Micah and he would not want his power threatened. So, Herod would certainly go after the baby Jesus and try to eliminate him. Herod was the king of the Holy Land, and he was being told that a baby who had just been born would be the prophesied king of Israel. The Jews of Jerusalem would thus naturally fear a major crackdown by the tyrant. Remember that the Jews lived under the thumb of Rome, an empire that had invaded and taken control of their nation. As modern Christians, we often don't remember that two millennia ago, when Jesus was born, the excitement of those who were celebrating the arrival of the Messiah, the Son of God, the person who brought us a personal relationship with God, the person who brought us the ability to be forgiven at any time. All of that was tempered by the knowledge that the local representative of the Romans, a brutal, ruthless man who was a Jew and a traitor to his people, would see this as a threat to his power. They knew that Herod, this dangerous and probably mentally ill man, would react violently and indeed, to be sure he got rid of the baby Jesus, he ordered the eradication of countless male children. Now let's get back to this man I met, the man who decided to attend Christmas Eve service with his family after all, and in fact, brought his freshman roommate with him. 
Jack said that his assigned roommate at college turned out to be from Uganda. Now, this was back in the 1970s. Idi Amin was the military dictator of Uganda at the time. In some ways, Amin was like Herod of the ancient Holy Land. Amin was brutal and had hundreds of thousands of people killed, and in particular, he hated Christians. Jack's roommate told Jack about how Idi Amin had burned down many Christian churches, including his. He told Jack that Jack was blessed to live in the U.S., where he could practice his faith openly and freely, and without any fear that the government would come and burn his church down. As it turned out, Jack's roommate couldn't afford to go home for the Christmas break, so Jack took his roommate home with him. And when invited by Jack's parents, his Ugandan roommate was very excited about attending a Christmas Eve service in the U.S. Jack said that the enthusiasm that his roommate showed and then the energy he put into his singing that night and the way he lifted his candle high in the dark inspired Jack. Jack didn't instantly have a personal faith revival as a result. This did eventually happen, but the growth of his faith took some time. However, Jack did immediately realize that there was nothing silly or uncool about taking part in a traditional Christmas Eve service. In fact, it struck Jack that it was a privilege. Jack saw that his Ugandan roommate was a lot like their early believers. They reveled in the knowledge that Jesus had come into the world to bring forgiveness, to provide regeneration from sin, to give all of us a personal relationship with God, and to instill God's grace within us. But at the same time, his Ugandan roommate and his roommate's fellow congregants had to live in fear of those who disapproved of the power of Jesus Christ, a power that has always threatened the brutal, petty worldliness of earthly tyrants. Jack said that in the decades since the Christmas Eve with his family and his Ugandan roommate, he has been a regular churchgoer and that he always looks forward to the Christmas Eve candlelight service. So tonight we're going to hold candles. I ask you to hold them up high in honor of all those believers, past and present, who haven't had the freedom we have to celebrate the God who became man, the Savior who taught us to live in peace and with kindness for all people. We're going to sing a Silly Song in the Dark, Silent Night, a beautiful and stunning hymn that celebrates the birth of our faith. We're going to read scripture too. We're going to do all of this with a vibrant joy. Amen. And you're about to hear an orchestral version by Baboo Recording on SoundCloud. You can find them by going to soundcloud.com slash boo moo shoe. That's B-O-O dash M-O-O 
dash S H O O.